0: This is the Pro America Report on the Answer, San Diego. Great to be together. We got a really interesting interview coming up with my friend Armstrong Williams. Armstrong Williams is a well, he's a he's an American original. He is um, owns a couple of television stations. Maybe more than a couple, three or four. He has his own television program nationally syndicated on Sinclair television stations and also does a local show in the Washington, D.C. area. Was a close personal friend, is a close close personal friend of Ben and Candy Carson. Played a role in Ben Carson's campaign for president and worked uh, in the Reagan administration. Anyway, fascinating guy, with, happens to be African-American if you don't know him by name, Armstrong Williams. We'll talk to him about the nature of what's happening in this country. So and coming up in a few moments so, look forward to that. Again, it's Ed Martin. Great to be together. It's the uh, Pro America Report. Please visit proamericareport.com. Proamericareport.com. Tune in there. Go over there and sign up for the daily email. Here's the phrase I want to use with you for today's What You Need to Know, the Daily Wink. It's this What are they hiding? What are they hiding? And I'll tell you a little secret. I'm over. In uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I'm in Maricopa County uh, on some business. And um, I am over here. And in the next, hmm, I don't know, 24 to 48 hours, you're going to see a lot more information about Maricopa County and the 2020 election. You're starting to see more information come out about the uh, Fulton County, Georgia election. And here's the question this was posed to me by none other than General Michael Flynn. He said, What are they hiding? Why is it that people are fighting so vociferously against audits? What is it about people having doubts about an election that is making the left go crazy? Joe Biden traveled to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to say that efforts to pass laws that ensure election integrity are the greatest threat to America since the Civil War. What is it? What are they hiding what exactly are they hiding? Have you wondered? We already have the public admission. They were bragging about it in, the, uh, in Time magazine about a bunch of activists who were paid and it was well-funded to do what they called, quote, fortifying the election, end quote, which included hundreds of thousands of lawyers and efforts to change the laws and have governors change the rules and adjust the signature verification, change the pickups for ballot boxes, these so-called drop boxes, all this kind of stuff, they bragged about all that. Now, they say it's legal. They say it's legal and necessary to increase the ability of people to vote. And yet, if you're someone like Governor Abbott of Texas and the Texas Legislature, who are saying, hey, we're going to pass some laws to protect the integrity because we're worried about it. Somehow you're the ones that are wrong. My point here is, what are they hiding? Why not audit the elections? I I am not in the group that says that I can see how anything can be changed because the Constitution operated. I, you know, when you look at the Constitution, it had a system. And unless we can find out that there's wrongdoing of such a size and scope, and maybe that's what they're afraid of. But right now... Let's get to the bottom of it. Fully, fully 75% of Republicans believe the 2020 election was off base. And close to 58% of Democrats, in one poll at least, have said that they're worried about the election in 2020. Something was done wrong. In other words, we have a voter confidence problem. We have a problem with confidence in our election system. Why not address that? What are they hiding? And what I'm hearing out of Maricopa County... And there'll be a hearing, I think it's uh, Thursday morning, uh, there'll be a major hearing uh, the State Senate in Arizona that has uh, commissioned the audit is going to have a hearing. And what they found is significant irregularities. Is it a sign of crime? Nobody's saying that yet. Is it a sign of fraud? Can't be sure of that yet. But what, what in a systematic audit... Of the ballots, we're talking 2.1 million registered. I think it's 2.1 million ballots cast in um, in uh, in Maricopa County. It's a big, big county, you know, Phoenix and the surrounding areas. So we're talking about a major undertaking. And as they've audited, they've got some irregularities, and nobody knows yet what that means. But what are they hiding? What if you if you if anybody has children or anybody just has friends or colleagues, if someone won't answer the question, gets defensive, starts to push me, you just say, what are they hiding? It could be nothing. Let me be the first to say it could be nothing. It could be just that they're annoyed that they don't want to have to go through this. But Joe Biden, the president of the United States is going up to Philadelphia to give a canned speech calling it the greatest threat to America since the Civil War. Then he finishes and he goes back to the White House, and I think he signed either an executive order or he just put out a press release that said, I'm directing the Department of Justice to investigate any states that are passing laws to protect election integrity. Now, here's where we get into a little bit. Let's be adults about it. If you're saying, I want a photo ID for elections... Are you saying that you want to stop some people from voting? Well, most people that say photo ID requirement for elections would say everybody should have a photo ID anyway, so let's help them get one. But even if you assume that there's some people that won't be able to vote, that still isn't – that's not a reason automatically that the law is unjust or improper, right? I mean, we do have laws that say 15-year-olds can't vote. Why are 15-year-olds not allowed to vote? 15-year-olds can – Go to the store. They can go to the movies. They can go to school, or even better, make it uh, make it seventeen-year-olds. Why can't a seventeen-year-old who can have a driver's license, who can get a job, they're not allowed to vote? And the reason why is because we pass laws, and the laws are. Designed- Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our old friend Joel Pollack is with us. He's the senior editor-at-large over at Breitbart News. He also hosts his uh, program on Sunday evenings, Breitbart News Sundays. It's on Sirius XM Patriot, uh, and it's uh, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 to 7 uh, Pacific Time. And I was just asking him off the air because I noticed on Twitter, I hadn't seen anything about this yet, he's got another book. He's written a bunch of books. Red November was a great book. He wrote a book about the election cycle. His next book, which is really valuable because he's a great writer, it's, it's the title is How to Write. And then the subtitle is $50,000 of Lessons for Less Than $5. So welcome, Joel Pollack. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks for the plug. Yeah, How to Write is a bipartisan or nonpartisan book. So I'm pretty excited about it because it, it'll be useful for everybody.
0: Yeah, well, and I should say not only is a writer over at Breitbart dot com, and, and his his title is uh, the senior. He was he was editor in chief for a while. We'll talk about back then when uh, when uh, the the segment we're going to talk about. But he is currently the senior editor at large at Breitbart, and um, uh, also though a lawyer, which means you had to learn to write some too. So, but this is why I contacted him to get him on Joel back, I guess, almost a decade ago. Uh, you were on CNN. Soledad O'Brien, I think, was still there. You were editor-in-chief of Breitbart, Breitbart. But you were talking about the late Andrew Breitbart, who had actually, by name, over a decade ago, talked about critical race theory and its roots and the threat it was. Uh, and it came back up recently. Tell, walk us through, first of all, the history. I mean, Andrew Breitbart gets, gets a lot of credit for s- some things. He doesn't get enough credit for some other things. So walk us through this story.
1: So critical race theory, as you know, is the idea that America is fundamentally racist because we were founded, our our founding documents, our founding principles were steeped, as they say, in racism. And they say that because slavery was legal at the time, and therefore, even though we got rid of slavery and we had the Civil Rights Movement, our legal institutions, our very idea about liberty is racist. And so... Everything has to be undone, overthrown, overturned, redistributed, and the rest of it. Now, Andrew Breitbart spoke about this in 2012, shortly before he passed away, when he was talking about Barack Obama's intellectual roots and some new connections that we had discovered to Derek Bell, who's considered one of the co-founders of critical race theory. But actually, Andrew had been writing about this even before then, more than a decade ago, in his memoir, Righteous Indignation, Excuse Me While I Save the World. That's, that's the title of his memoir. It's a very, very great <laughs> right. book. And, and he goes into critical theory, which is a kind of a foundation for critical race theory. Very similar, the idea that all of our institutions are corrupt and they have to be overthrown. It's a Marxist idea, and critical race theory built on that foundation. Andrew was talking about it over a decade ago.
0: Yeah, and Joel, it's a more interesting, uh, Media Matters for America, which is a far-left organization, it's important to note, and, and by the way, there's a piece that uh, Joel wrote up on this whole subject, including the video of a very young Joel Pollack back then being on CNN, which is really fun to see uh, what you look like uh, back then, And uh, but uh, George Soros funded the Media Matters for America, and they're actually writing, complaining about Breitbart and uh, Andrew Breitbart by name and Breitbart.com, I'm sure, uh, and Breitbart News by you know uh, by name, and uh, and brought it up just a few
1: days ago, right? Yes, they blame me, and they blame one or two other people, but they basically have a picture of me there with Ben Shapiro <laughs> and saying that right. we are responsible for this, that that the reason people are worked up over critical race theory now is because of something that I wrote and I did, And you're talking about that CNN interview back in 2012. It was about a week after Andrew died, and they had me on there to try to destroy what was Andrew's legacy, and they tried to mock my interest in critical race theory. And many of the debates we have today are very similar to that initial debate. You should go back and see that debate. Just look it up, critical race theory, Soledad O'Brien, Breitbart, Joel Pollack. And, yeah, I was the first person to talk about it on TV in that setting. And Media Matters and the left wing are saying, hey, wait a minute, maybe we can discredit the attacks on critical race theory by going after Breitbart. We can say, hey, it's just a right wing conversation.
0: I see, I see, I got you. And, and Joe, we're again, we're talking with Joe Pollack. Uh, Joe Pollack is uh, is currently the senior, get it right, senior editor at large at Breitbart News, host of Breitbart News Sunday over on SiriusXM Patriot. Um, he's got a couple books, recent book, Red November, I've talked about before. He's got a new novel out, he knows how to write. He's got a book, and ebook coming out uh, late, I uh, think early next week on how to write. Um, so, Joel, uh, what would, I know this is a silly game in a way. I sound like a CNN uh, 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 announcer, but how, how would Breit, how would Andrew Breitbart, do you think, see what's gone on? I mean, he was—I for people that don't realize, he was a fighter and he came up with ways to fight, but he really was more of a thinker. I don't mean more of. He was someone who actually thought deeply and then fought. A lot of people think deeply and some people fight. They don't usually do both. How do you think he would assess you know, 2021, um, you know, when, the, when Stephen A. Smith, an African-American man on ESPN said, I sure think uh, Shohei Ohtani should have learned English by now. He's making millions of dollars. He had to apologize within hours. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's almost mind numbing how inconsistent the race, you know, uh, game is. And yet it's active and, and strong and, and uh, uh, penalizing.
1: Well, one thing Andrew used to say was that he didn't care how small the fight was. He didn't care if it was at the level of, you know, a grade school teacher. He wanted to take up the issue. And what's interesting now is that you're seeing parents stand up over what's being taught in the classroom, that it has actually gone to that level where people are realizing their kids are being indoctrinated in the classroom. And Andrew foresaw that. He said that that's the level at which we're going to have to push back. And he championed citizen journalism, which was the idea that ordinary people could cover the news. And you're seeing that happen. Ordinary people standing up at school board meetings, ordinary people talking about the materials that their children are being forced to learn, that their teachers are circulating. So this attack on critical race theory, which is entirely grassroots. It's driven by ordinary Americans standing up against the indoctrination of our kids to hate their country and to hate themselves and each other. Andrew foresaw that. He said, that's the level at which these people are going to try to reach to take over the country, and we have to report that when it happens. So I think he would be very enthusiastic about what's happening at the local level, what you're seeing with journalists like Christopher Ruffo, what you're seeing in Loudoun County, Virginia, in other parts of the country where people are standing up and saying, we don't want this in our schools. Well, and, and
0: I, I agree with that. And uh, the question I have, though, is um, I remember asking the late Phyllis Schlafly, who appreciated uh, Breitbart, I think she gave Breitbart, Andrew Breitbart, uh, an Eagle Award, and, and she did it. She the late Phyllis I appreciate what he's doing, but I remember asking her about uh, the fight over education issues, and she said the one of the problems is it tends to ebb and flow, and so because a lot of people had made the decision to put their kids in schools, it was hard to tell them how bad it was, you know, and and uh, and for example, I, I I often say to my listeners, Common Core. Everybody was fighting against it in 2015 and 16, and then they just stopped. And frankly, Trump didn't get rid of Common Core, and, and, and it changed and all. And my, th- my concern is, do the, do the parents have – is it different enough now that they're going to stay and see the change through? Not just say, oh, they stopped doing critical race theory because, as Andrew would have pointed out, they changed the name of these things as much as they changed their undershirt. I mean, they just changed the name and keep going indoctrinating your kids, Right.
1: Well, Common Core is a little different because Common Core actually started out with some conservatives involved, and the idea behind Common Core was corrupted over time. But the original idea was that our kids need a common basis of skills. They need to learn things that everybody knows and understands. I mean, nobody can really disagree with that, right? We should all learn American history. We should learn about the Constitution, about civics. We want schools to teach basic math, reading, science, you know, That's the idea. But it got corrupted. It got used by activists on the left to manipulate the curriculum and to federalize public education, to give the government in Washington control over what's happening in your community and your children's schools. So like many of these efforts, it was corrupted. Now, with critical race theory, it was corrupt from the start. I mean, critical race theory started out not as an educational philosophy, for kids, it started out in the law schools, the elite institutions, as a way of taking down the system from the top. And they took a generation to train the next group of leaders, educators, professors. Barack Obama taught critical race theory at University of Chicago after he studied it at Harvard. Uh, Elena Kagan, now in the Supreme Court once gave a lecture about critical race theory. It's in the notes that she gave to the Senate Judiciary Committee during her hearing. They didn't ask her about it because nobody was really aware of it. But this is an issue that percolated through the system, and now it is reaching the grassroots level. It has never had any sort of conservative component, right? You never had any William Bennett or anybody involved. Nobody thought this was going to improve the system for our kids.
0: Well, sorry about that, everybody. Our, our uh, interview with Joel Pollack got cut off there. Uh, but we got most of it in uh, longer than I expected, actually. So we're grateful for that. Joel Pollack, everybody. He's a superb writer. I'll put all his stuff up on social media. We thank him for taking the time. And we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Beside, forget about the history. I don't care about the debate. I mean, I care about seventeen seventy six versus sixteen nineteen. I'm talking about being a human being walking around. It's not a perfect place. It was a per. We need a more perfect union. But it, it, how do you handle this sort of calling America in twenty twenty one such a hellhole of racism and and uh, and mistreatment? You
2: know, I, I, you know. I, to, uh, I guess I should say this more often. And you know. You know, I'm no longer radio, we're on television stations, network television stations across the country. Right. But in my offices around the world, whether it's the hotel, whether it's the broadcast industry, and whether it's real estate, we do not celebrate diversity, we celebrate excellence. Each person in our companies has something unique and remarkable to bring to the table that is completely disconnected from their immutable characteristics. Every day, I have the privilege to work with these wonderful people. I'm not interested in a race, the agenda, or any other surface level trait of theirs. I see what they have to offer. The luxury I'm afforded by doing this is the luxury of focusing on what is important, which consequently, Ed, gives me the opportunity to also bring to my viewers the important issues without the racial drivel that others inject into the same stories. And so in observing the present state of racial divide, I've come to recognize that when we focus on concerns of race and gender, we neglect to address the most pressing issues. And what happens is that all too often, Mm -hmm. the media tries to infuse race into important issues that are totally unrelated to race. And when they do that, the important issues seemingly transform to absurdities simply due to the means by which the media characterizes them. And so if you think that we look different, that is only because you are choosing to see our surface level differences. But I see something deeper. Even with you and I, I see something unique individuals with unique life experiences. I challenge all of us to do the same. The remarkable people that I work with and the remarkable people that we bring on our shows, they work hard every day, like yourself, to bring stories that people need to be heard, that need to hear and stories that need to be told. And because, so many of our dedications to the truth and facts over this peripheral and often immaterial issues, we are able to parse through the stories and tell you the truth, not what we want you to hear. And that's what all Americans should be about because in, when it's all said and done, Americans really don't care about, care about this racial dribble and the fact that they're trying to tell us that we're bigoted and we're racist and we're white wing and we don't care about people. We like them. We don't like them bad. Americans understand what it is. It's politics. It's a cottage industry. It's a construct by man. And we can get on, we get on our daily lives, build families, build institutions, and continue to build America into that shining city on the hill.
0: Well, and I, I will say, let me finish, and i won't run out of time, Armstrong, but I, one of the ways that I know Armstrong is through some mutual friends. Uh, and when you're, and people don't even know this, Ben Carson, a guy named Terry Giles, who's been on your program, Armstrong Williams, uh, I think Clarence Thomas, even. There's an organization called the Horatio Alger Society that started back in the 40s, maybe 50s by, uh, among other people, Norman Vincent Peale, that highlights the men and women in America that come from nothing. that sort of up by your bootstraps, uh, 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 you know, kind of dream and succeed uh, in, in nearly every way. And and when you see these folks together, you have all different sizes, stripes, colors, genders, everything and, and opinions on politics. But the one thing they have is a sort of an optimism that um, that the human being is made in the image and likeness of God, most of them. And but more importantly, is made to succeed and we can all figure it out. And we can find our ways. And so, uh, I salute you, Armstrong. Thank you for your uh, for your uh, generosity to me and others uh, with all the ways we can communicate through your media uh, empire. And uh, we'll have you on again. I got to run. Thank you, Armstrong.
2: Thank
0: you. All right, we'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our old friend Joel Pollack is with us. He's the senior editor-at-large over at Breitbart News. He also hosts his uh, program on Sunday evenings, Breitbart News Sundays. It's on Sirius XM Patriot, uh, and it's uh, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 to 7 uh, Pacific Time. And I was just asking him off the air because I noticed on Twitter, I hadn't seen anything about this yet, he's got another book. He's written a bunch of books. Red November was a great book. He wrote a book about the election cycle. His next book, which is really valuable because he's a great writer, it's, it's, the title is How to Write. And then the subtitle is $50,000 of Lessons for Less Than $5. So welcome, Joel Pollack. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks for the plug. Yeah, How to Write is a bipartisan or nonpartisan book. So I'm pretty excited about it because it'll be useful for everybody.
0: Yeah, well and as I should say, not only is a writer over at Breitbart.com and and his his title is uh, the senior he was he was editor in chief for a while. We'll talk about back then when I, when I, the the segment we're gonna talk about, but he is currently the senior editor at large at Breitbart and um uh, also though a lawyer, which means you had to learn to write some too. So but this is why I, I contacted him to get him on. Joel, back I guess almost a decade ago. Uh, you were on CNN, Soledad O'Brien I think was still there You were editor-in-chief of Breitbart, Breitbart But you were talking about the late Andrew Breitbart Who had actually by name over a decade ago Talked about critical race theory and its roots And the threat it was uh, And it came back up recently Tell, Walk us through first of all the history I mean Andrew Breitbart gets, gets a lot of credit for s- some things He doesn't get enough credit for some other things now, Walk us through this story
1: So, critical race theory, as you know, is the idea that America is fundamentally racist because we were founded, our our founding documents, our founding principles were steeped, as they say, in racism. And they say that because slavery was legal at the time, and therefore, even though we got rid of slavery and we had the Civil Rights Movement, our legal institutions, our very idea about liberty is racist. And so... Everything has to be undone, overthrown, overturned, redistributed, and the rest of it. Now, Andrew Breitbart spoke about this in 2012, shortly before he passed away, when he was talking about Barack Obama's intellectual roots and some new connections that we had discovered to Derrick Bell, who's considered one of the co-founders of critical race theory. But actually, Andrew had been writing about this even before then, more than a decade ago, in his memoir, Righteous Indignation, Excuse Me While I save the World. That's, that's the title of his memoir. It's very great <laughs> right. book, and, and he goes into critical theory, which is a kind of a foundation for critical race theory. Very similar, the idea that all of our institutions are corrupt, and they have to be overthrown. It's a Marxist idea, and critical race theory built on that foundation. Andrew was talking about it over a decade ago.
0: Yeah, and Joel, it's a more interesting uh, media matters for America, which is a far left organization. It's important to note And, and by the way, there's a piece that uh, Joel wrote up on this whole subject, including the video of a very young Joel Pollack back then being on CNN, which is really fun to see uh, what you look like uh, back then. And uh, but uh, George Soros funded the Media Matters for America, and they're actually writing complaining about Breitbart and uh, Andrew Breitbart by name and Breitbart dot com. I'm sure uh, and Breitbart News by you know uh, by name and. Uh, and brought it up just a few days ago, right?
1: Yes, they blame me, and they blame one or two other people, but they basically have a picture of me there with Ben Shapiro <laughs> and saying that right. we are responsible for this, that that the reason people are worked up over critical race theory now is because of something that I wrote and I did And you're talking about that CNN interview back in 2012. It was about a week after Andrew died, and they had me on there to try to destroy what was Andrew's legacy, and they tried to mock my interest in critical race theory. And many of the debates we have today are very similar to that initial debate. You should go back and see that debate. Just look it up, critical race theory, Soledad O'Brien, Breitbart, Joel Pollack. And, yeah, I was the first person to talk about it on TV in that setting. And Media Matters and the left wing are saying, hey, wait a minute, maybe we can discredit the attacks on critical race theory by going after Breitbart. We can say, hey, it's just a right wing conversation.
0: Oh, I see. I see. I see. I got you. And, and Joe, we're again. We're talking with Joe Pollock. Uh, Joe Pollack is uh, is currently the senior. Get it right. Senior editor at large at Breitbart News. Hosts of Breitbart News Sunday over on SiriusXM Patriot. Um, he's got a couple books. Recent book, Red November. I've talked about before. He's got a new novel out. He knows how to write. He's got a book and ebook coming out uh, late. I uh, think early next week on how to write. Um, so, Joel, uh, what would, I know this is a silly game in a way. I sound like a CNN uh, 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 announcer, but how, how would Breit, how would Andrew Breitbart, do you think, see what's gone on? I mean, he was—I for people that don't realize, he was a fighter, and he came up with ways to fight, but he really was more of a thinker. I don't mean more of. He was someone who actually thought deeply and then fought. A lot of people think deeply, and some people fight. They don't usually do both. How do you think he would assess you know, 2021. Um, you know, when the when Stephen A. Smith, an African American man on ESPN, said, "I sure think uh, Ishow Otani should have learned English by now. He's making millions of dollars." He had to apologize within hours. I mean, it, it's uh, it's almost mind numbing how inconsistent the race you know uh, game is, and yet it's active and and strong and and uh, uh, penalizing.
1: Well. One thing Andrew used to say was that he didn't care how small the fight was. He didn't care if it was at the level of, you know, a grade school teacher. He wanted to take up the issue. And what's interesting now is that you're seeing parents stand up over what's being taught in the classroom, that it has actually gone to that level where people are realizing their kids are being indoctrinated in the classroom. And Andrew foresaw that. He said that that's the level at which we're going to have to push back. And he championed citizen journalism, which was the idea that ordinary people could cover the news. And you're seeing that happen. Ordinary people standing up at school board meetings, ordinary people talking about the materials that their children are being forced to learn, that their teachers are circulating. So this attack on critical race theory, which is entirely grassroots, it's driven by ordinary Americans standing up against the indoctrination of our kids to hate their country and to hate themselves and each other. Andrew foresaw that. He said, that's the level at which these people are going to try to reach to take over the country, and we have to report that when it happens. So I think he would be very enthusiastic about what's happening at the local level, what you're seeing with journalists like Christopher Ruffo, what you're seeing in Loudoun County, Virginia in other parts of the country where people are standing up and saying, we don't want this in our schools.
0: Well, and and I, I agree with that. And uh, the question I have, though, is um, I remember asking the late Phyllis Schlafly, who appreciated uh, Breitbart, I think she gave Breitbart, Andrew Breitbart, uh, an Eagle Award, and, and she did it. She, the late Phyllis, I appreciate what he's doing, but I remember asking her about uh, the fight over education issues, and she said the, one of the problems is it tends to ebb and flow, and so because a lot of people had made the decision to put their kids in schools, it was hard to tell them how bad it was, you know. And and uh, and for example, I, I I often say to my listeners, Common Core. Everybody was fighting against it in 2015 and 16, and then they just stopped. And frankly, Trump didn't get rid of Common Core, and, and, and it changed and all. And my, th- my concern is, do the, do the parents have – is it different enough now that they're going to stay and see the change through? Not just say, oh, they stopped doing critical race theory because, as Andrew would have pointed out, they changed the name of these things as much as they changed their undershirt. I mean, they just changed the name and keep going indoctrinating your kids, Right.
1: Well, Common Core is a little different because Common Core actually started out with some conservatives involved, and the idea behind Common Core was corrupted over time. But the original idea was that our kids need a common basis of skills. They need to learn things that everybody knows and understands. I mean, nobody can really disagree with that, right? We should all learn American history. We should learn about the Constitution, about civics. We want schools to teach basic math, reading, science. You know, that's the idea. But it got corrupted it got used by activists on the left to manipulate the curriculum and to federalize public education to give the government in washington control over what's happening in your community and your children's schools so like many of these efforts it was corrupted now with critical race theory it was corrupt from the start i mean critical race theory started out not as an educational philosophy for kids it started out in the law schools the elite institutions as a way of taking down the system from the top. And they took a generation to train the next group of leaders, educators, professors. Barack Obama taught critical race theory at University of Chicago after he studied it at Harvard. Uh, Elena Kagan, now in the Supreme Court, once gave a lecture about critical race theory. It's in the notes that she gave to the Senate Judiciary Committee during her hearing. They didn't ask her about it because nobody was really aware of it. But this is an issue that percolated through the system and now it is reaching the grassroots level it has never had any sort of conservative component right you never had any william bennett or anybody involved nobody thought this was going to improve the system for our kids well,
0: sorry about that, everybody. Our, our uh, interview with Joel Pollack got cut off there, uh, but we got most of it in uh, longer than I expected, actually, so we're grateful for that. Joel Pollack, everybody, he's a superb writer. I'll put all his stuff up on social media. We thank him for taking the time, and we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment.
1: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly.
3: We usually hear a noisy outcry on the left at any suggestion of requiring a photo ID for voting. But you may be surprised to learn that some other democracies regard them as a necessity. Just look at Mexico, where the Federal Electoral Institute issues citizens a free photo ID known as a voter credential. The system was put in place 20 years ago as a response to widespread voter fraud in Mexican elections. Rules are very strict, and no exceptions are made for those who arrive at the polls without their ID. The agency makes no apologies for this. They say the system is necessary to restore confidence in elections after years of corruption. In the United States, you need a photo ID to drive a car, to check into a hotel, or to rent a movie. But we're told we cannot require photo IDs for voting. Liberals claim that photo ID laws would decrease voter turnout and create a burden for the poor. However, neither of these things has happened in Mexico. In fact, the free IDs have been beneficial to the country's poor because they now have identification they need for other situations. That's why former Atlanta mayor and civil rights activist Andrew Young supports voter ID laws in the U.S. so that poor minorities are provided with the ID they need to fully participate in American life. Mexico's laws have also increased confidence in the fairness of elections and thus increased voter turnout. A similar increase in voter turnout happened in Indiana and Georgia when those states implemented photo ID laws. If we don't require a photo ID at our U.S. polls, that doesn't make it any easier for people to vote. It just makes it easier for people to cast a fraudulent vote.
1: From Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin. Election fraud has the power to destroy the America we know and love. Never again can we allow an election to be stolen. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find reasonable, workable strategies for assuring the integrity of every future election. Visit phyllisschlafly.com today. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
0: These great interviews we get uh, t- on the program, they're over at ProAmericaReport.com. Please go over and visit and t- t- pass them on to others. Also on my social media, at Eagle Ed Martin, Ed Martin Live on Facebook, also uh, on Rumble and on Gab and on, um, on uh, Parler, and I'm getting on Getter. I'm not there yet, but we'll get all that done to you. So, uh, great interviews. All right. All um, right. As we're wrapping things up, let's talk a little bit about um, some of what is happening in this great country of ours in terms of our border. We have a border crisis. And if you can believe it, we now have it. I'm going to get him on the show. Kyle Olson, a great reporter, a great writer over at Breitbart.com, has written a piece that describes how the borders open. If you show up at the southern border, you you giddy up. You're coming on in, especially if you show up with a kid. You know, they're just going to wave you through. You're going to go and catch and release. You know, even if they catch you, they're going to say, oh, well, come back later for a hearing, and you never come back. Jet boy, that's where it happens. But they've now announced, except Haiti and Cuba. Haitians and Cubans... If you try to come in the legal way or any other way except through the government, they're not going to let you. So if you're coming from other countries, you're allowed to come. If, in fact, if you're coming from other countries and you know the right buzzwords and you've been coached by the Soros-funded groups that are along the caravan route, they coach you on what to say, if you say the right words, you're going to be allowed to come into the country easily and no problem. You're going to be brought in. You're going to catch and release. But they announced, they actually had the gall to announce... That if you're Haitian or Cuban, the, the department is not going to let you in. Now, I'm not sure of my opinion on that, but at least when you look at Haiti, you know they were killing. They killed the president, and they killed a bunch of—I think they killed a couple of other people, maybe his bodyguards. So there is some sort of murderous problem going on there. That's been widely reported. And, of course, in Cuba— There's at least protests, and the the reports are that there are people being picked up and all. So you would think there were some people that were protesting the regime in Cuba that would have an argument to say, hey, can you let me come here to get protected? But no, we're going to suddenly draw a hard line on the people coming. This is crazy. This is crazy. I have to say, one of the most destructive things of what's happening in the last few months is the uh, willingness of the media to not cover the story of the immigration, uh, the, the debacle at the border. It, it, it is so egregious now, it's so, and they're not covering it, and therefore it's not known about it, and people aren't talking about it. And that's a disaster. It's really disastrous uh, for us as, as a nation to have these people, have these um, policies allowing people to come across the border unchecked. Unchecked. And, you know, if we've talked about it on the program over and over again. Lots of people have stories about um, anecdotes about this in different parts of the country. But the reporting on it, the best reporting is Todd Benzman of the Center for Immigration Studies. We're going to have him on, I think, later this week or next week to get an update from the border on what's going on. It's a national security crisis. It's a, it's a drug crisis. And it's a sex trafficking crisis. And it's a changing of America crisis. And we are not getting coverage of this crisis in our nation it's getting ignored it's getting ignored by the media and because the media and big tech are so powerful if the ignoring of it makes it disappear and so we are in the position where the story is disappearing because of the coverage and it's probably the biggest story we have the problem at the border think about what I just said we've got a problem of drugs the fentanyl is coming in through the border Other drugs are coming in through the border We've got a problem of sex trafficking You know, uh, People are bringing in young girls Young children, they're getting abused We have a problem of national security Bad guys, a few weeks ago There was uh, foreign nationals who were on watch lists Trying to come through And we have a problem of transforming America Not by our choice But by the choice of the cartels Who control the border And the lack of a border on our side it's a terrible, terrible situation, and frankly, it will be one that is politically costly. Even though the media is ignoring it now, people, I think, will come to know it, and I think it will be, but it may be too late. Anyway, we'll see. Okay, i got to run. Thank you, as always, to our great technical director and producer, Noah Dingley, also Joanna for booking our guests. Thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow. Visit ProAmericaReport.com. It's Ed Martin. Talk to you tomorrow.
2: It's the Pro-America Report on The Answer
1: San Diego.